Hi, I'm Annabelle. And I'm Amy, and welcome to Escaping Purgatory, the podcast where we rewatch Supernatural, then talk it through in the hopes that we finally escape this show. Join us each week and leave comments on upcoming episodes, and together we can escape Supernatural Purgatory. So we expect all the comments this week, <laughs> all of them, uh, because we are talking about what is and what should never be. I know Amy has thoughts. <laughs> I have so, so many, many thoughts. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let her lead this episode pretty much and just sort of weigh in as I see, because I'm I'm interested in your thoughts. Me personally, I was just like, this, I have, I also have thoughts, but only at certain points. Mm-hmm. And of course it's centered around John Winchester, because we all know I do not stand. <laughs> <laughs> John Winchester. Mm-hmm. I am... A little surprised that this got a 9.4. Who who, who are the sadists out there that thought it should be that high? <laughs> no, I love this episode. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. <laughs> right. You're a sadist. <laughs> or sorry. Yeah. Masochist. Yeah. Masochist? Yeah, no, you're, you're a masochist. <laughs> Oh no. Uh, yeah. So this episode was written by Ryle Tucker and directed by the one, the only, Eric Kripke. <laughs> and before I say anything else, if you watch this on the DVD version, um, Kripke does a commentary of this episode, which is extremely worth listening to. And I have some comments from that here because some of the things he said are just, just wild. <laughs> just honestly I, I will say one thing if you do listen to it the absolute stanning of Jensen Ackles that Kripke does through that whole of that commentary is hilarious <laughs> I mean this was this was a Dean episode like I feel like this was the turning point in the season mm-hmm. or in the series right it's gotta be I, I feel like we've said that many times. Like this was the tra- this is when Dean became the main character. No, this is when Dean became the main character. He's always been the main character. He's always been the main character. He's well, got his favorite. <laughs> season one, maybe not so much. No, that's true. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I think there is a defining point at which he does get main character syndrome. But like, I don't know if this was. I don't know if this is it. Like. This is a very interesting episode because it is so Dean focused. Like, well, it is. Mm-hmm. This whole episode is about Dean. I think Sam is briefly in it at the beginning. At the end, that's it. So, what what Kripke had to say about this from the beginning was that he knew he was going to direct an episode this season, and he always knew that it was going to be episode twenty. But at that point, when they decide that they do, so they decide who's going to be directing what episode in the order but they don't necessarily know what the episode's going to be about. Because he's head writer, he kind of had say over what the story was going to be for this episode. And apparently he had lots of scripts come to him and he was like, no, 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 until eventually they got to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he directly cites Buffy as a uh, inspiration for this episode. And uh, one of the episodes of Buffy that I really remember was the one where she woke up in the mental institution and you don't know quite what was reality and what was her old life and what was her new life. Which is really interesting. So I guess eventually he was happy with what Ryle Tucker wrote and they went with that. But I feel like he had a very heavy influence on this, although she did write this episode. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's kind of interesting because in terms of like the overall story and like we are, we have two episodes left this season. Yeah. And this doesn't necessarily add that much to the story right now. No. Like it does, it does for the next season for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's, it's planting the seeds for, for other things that come up. Yeah. Um, it felt like a an out of place plot episode. <laughs> yeah, it it is actually like, why would you choose now to explore this? Right. And I feel like I might ask that question again when we do the last two episodes because I feel like it maybe is related, but it's in a weird way. Mm. Yeah. With that cryptic <laughs> uh, message, let's let's go into the episode. Okay, there was a recap on this. I'm not going to go through it because. It's basically all about John marrying Jessica, which makes sense with the episode. And then at the end of that, Dean has that little speech that he did about being sick of the job. Sick of the job anyway. I mean, we don't get paid. We don't get thanked. The only thing that gets bad luck. So we see him driving and the license plate has changed. I didn't remember that the license plate changed this early on into the show from the KAZ to the um, CNK license plate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense after what they'd just gone through with the previous episode, and they did say they have to go to deep cover or whatever it was. <laughs> deep cover, yeah. Deep. <laughs> and it just kind of goes right into it. So he gets a phone call from Sam um, while Dean's driving, and it, you know they talk about being on the run. Sam's doing some research on a gin, like he's sat in the motel with all his books out, and I think he's saying to Dean that like the police are outside. And they have that conversation mm-hmm. about that being a problem, but they eventually move on. <laughs> of course, Dean calls the gin a, a freaking genie, which is great. <laughs> and he makes an I Dream of Genie reference here. But not exactly like Bombrade and Harem Pants. I mean, gin have been feeding off people for centuries. They're all over the Quran. My God. Barbaridin was hot, wasn't she? Was way hotter than that bewitched chick. I mean, they look almost identical. <laughs> I, I thought they were the same person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Dream of Genie was a direct rip-off from Bewitched, right? I think that's the way around it was. If I got that wrong, someone's going to be super mad in the comments. But um, They both do the nose twitch thing, right? No, Genie does oh, okay. like um, like a hand thing and she nods her head. Oh, yeah. Um, and Bewitched is the nose twitch thing. I love both those shows. I don't care there are two of them. <laughs> <laughs> So essentially, like, Sam says that the gin lights hanging out in ruins and Dean's like, I know a place and sort of drives to it. So, yeah, quite a quick setup. There's a gin, which means nothing to us at this point. Like, if we're watching this for the first time, we don't know what gins do. But No, I mean, they've, they've likened it to a genie. So you can kind of guess that it's going to grant a wish because that's what genies are known to do. Mm hmm. I I kind of want to address this here because I could put this at the end of the episode, but I feel like we need to just decide this here and now. Do you think in this episode, okay, how do gins work? Is God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't go back and forth on this too. <laughs> is it a wish that then puts you into an alternate reality where that wish is granted? You know, like genies do, where normally. They grant your wish, but it has some kind of downside. Right. Or is this a fantasy dream world that they put you into? I'm going to say fantasy dream world. Okay. 
just because of how the episode ends. Mm. I, I, I don't see that as something that's possible in like alternate reality world. Okay. So here, here's the thing that I kept like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll say this now, but you can like take it out if you want. The thing I kept like going back and forth on was this gin doesn't know what they're doing because <laughs> Dean knows still, Dean is still himself. Yeah. So he knows about monsters. He knows about mm-hmm. everything. And like, because of that, he can't let himself go. Yeah. So is it, is it that Dean has a rude, has like strong will and like can get through the wish hmm. or is he just not able to be happy? <sighs> yeah. I know. I, I mean, this is going to come up through the whole episode, I feel, but yeah. I think hmm, the the way that I see it is that the gin makes you think that it's granted your wish, right? Mm-hmm. Inside your own head. So that's why you don't fight against it. And that's how, that that's why Dean was still himself. Because initially right. with this, he thinks that it's just been granted where that wish comes from, I think is really interesting because I think it must latch onto something that you do wish for. Mm-hmm. But then how that plays out is related to the individual and their own like desires and insecurities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially at the, the end of this episode mm-hmm. with the, the conversation with Sam and Dean mm-hmm. at the end because, uh, I mean... Skip, skipping the whole entire episode. <laughs> We're doing our analysis now. Because in, in his mind, if they didn't have... If, in Dean's mind, if they didn't have hunting, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be as close as they are. Yeah. But Sam proves that, actually, I think we would still be that close. Yeah. I think so, too. This episode proves how, like, low Dean's self-esteem is. Yes. Because, like, everybody passes off his comments as being drunk. Mm-hmm. So that, does that mean that he? This is what he does often. Wow. And <laughs> like the whole working as like um, not to say working as a mechanic is bad or anything like that, but yeah. like he didn't aspire to be more than again what John wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll get into all of that. I wanted to establish here like how the gin works because I feel like it's really important as we talk about it moving forward how we're yeah. framing it. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you see it one way or the other, this episode could be really different. Like, if you see it as just an alternate reality, it's kind of one thing. If you see it as someone's, like, hopes and dreams and, like, their own psyche, it's it can be seen as another way. So, um, yeah. I think we're going with the second one. <laughs> I do, too. I, and I, I do want to hear from other people who might have seen it as another reality, because mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't see it that way. Yeah. But it would definitely, like, I would like someone to explain to me how they see it that way, because... I'm sure it's um, it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I agree. So (laughs) that all being said, (laughs) in the episode, we see Dean going to his warehouse. He has a knife with him and a torch and he gets jumped by the gym. They have a really brief struggle. And then I did really like this shot of um, the gym putting his hand on his head. Um, the mm-hmm. blue effect's really cool. I've always thought the gym were really cool, actually. Like how they kind of look. They are. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Kripke said that the guy who played the gin in this episode, um, they had to put all that tattoo stuff on him on a Sunday and then they weren't shooting until the Thursday. So he had to like just keep all of that on himself, like going around his normal life. 
until they came to shoot. But he said he was a really good sport, but um, had trouble getting like taxis and stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> no. This and this is what 2000. Yeah, 2007. Mm-hmm. So it's like <clears throat> face tattoos definitely had a different connotation than they do now. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so. Yes, we get the blue hand effect, there's the title card, and then it goes straight in from that into like TV fuzz, and we see Dean waking up. And the first thing that I noticed when he woke up is that he was wearing a silver chain rather than the Samulet necklace. I think, as we go through the episode, that that silver chain is actually a St. Christopher, which makes sense, because St. Christopher is the patron saint of traveling, I believe. Okay. I think so. It's quite a common thing. Well, it is in my family, at least, to give a son a St. Christopher when they become, like, a teenager. So they become, like, a man. Um, hmm. as like, almost, like, protection. Um, I don't know if that's just because I come from, like, an Irish background. I'm not sure. If anyone else has that similar tradition, let me know. Because <laughs> um, I know a lot of men wear St. Christopher's, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why. Um, I did not know that. I think it's supposed to protect you while you're like out on the road, right? So you're out traveling or going from place to place, essentially. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. This, uh, you know, you saying that, um, I've just realized, I think Sam and Dean are the only Americans in the history of America who <laughs> don't claim to be a, anything but American. Like, they don't <laughs> say that they're Irish. They don't say that they're you know scandinavian they don't say that or like anything like that they're just two bros who get on the road yeah yeah i mean that's quite funny yeah stop saying you're irish you're not (laughs) you're not no you're american i'm not i have i have an irish grandparent i'm not irish like (laughs) um anyway so There's a dark-haired woman sleeping next to Dean as well, who he kind of, like, just sort of looks at and is like, yep, okay. And then he goes out into their living room and starts to, like, have a look around. Okay, let's talk about the lighting. (laughs) (laughs) It was pointed out to me, mm, I'm trying to remember who, I feel like Charlie, one of her Tumblr posts, but it may have been from somewhere else, so I apologise, that orange lighting is extremely important in Supernatural, okay? And this mm-hmm. whole episode is very um, warmly lit. Yes. Yes. It's often used, If you, as we watch the seasons, we'll see, this warm lighting as a signal that things aren't real or they're not happening in the real universe. Mm. So I think it comes up again. I'm sure there's another June episode at some point. There's definitely... I'm trying to think of another episode where it's used, and I'm coming up blank at the moment. But I mean, changing channels. I mean, yeah, changing channels. That's that's an easy one to pick. Like, yeah, so look out for this, like, orange glow. Um, Because here, I know it's supposed to be, like, dawn or whatever, or even is it? It's not, because when he goes to the house later, it's still, like, dark. Anyway, so this whole this this whole section of this episode is lit like that. And if you think about the beginning of the episode, where it's really dark and really grimy, it's in such contrast that you instantly know that something's off. Right. So, 
he, he obviously like he looks around he rings sam and sam instantly accuses him of drinking because he's going off on him and like why is he ringing him and what's going on through sam he finds out that the lady that he's sleeping next to is called carmen then sam kind of hangs up on him i think as you were saying at the beginning i think it's really interesting how at the beginning of this episode everyone accuses dean of being drunk like everybody mm -hmm. every like mary does it jessica does it Mm -hmm. and carmen does it and sam yeah and sam yeah i mean so (laughs) is this starting to show already the kind of life that dean has built for himself in this ultimate reality Mm -hmm. one in which his friends question and his family well his family question regularly when he's acting strangely if he's been drinking which is odd to me like if this is like a wishful fantasy what kind of view of yourself must you see in order for people to think that of you as their first interaction with you as you kind of meet them in this universe Um, I think this is kind of Kripke's fault (laughs) Um, because he does say in the commentary that when they were first developing this episode he wanted Dean to be and I quote him a drifter loser was that uh, Dean's life he was going to be pretty much a huge loser you know he was going to be kind of a bar fly and wasn't really holding down a job and was just sort of like the 'er ne'er-do-well brother He's, he's happy because Sam is happy, but, like, actually his life is terrible. And Kripke, what? Like... What is that? Uh, have have you not seen Dean's intelligence through mm-hmm. all of this? Yeah. Like, he... <laughs> if anything, right now, in the actual supernatural universe, he's a drifter. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say loser... Not to put like money on it, but he doesn't make money. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a house. He doesn't have anything. But we know that Sam doesn't. Uh, sorry, we know that Dean doesn't necessarily just want that. Though. No, he's already said that. <laughs> like material items don't really matter to Dean in any way, really, other than the car. Like honestly. Right. Um. So, okay. First of all, how does Kripke actually view his characters? I don't understand how we can have, and I think fans in general, in general can have such a different view of a character than the person who created them is so odd to me. He said that he was kind of talked down from this idea. He said that even Bob Singer said to him like that he, he shouldn't do that essentially because it wouldn't make it it wouldn't make it different enough from the normal show first of all for it to be a good like alternate reality or whatever right. Kripke was he kind of conceded on most points but the only thing that he wanted to keep was kind of friction between Sam and Dean in this episode which to mm-hmm. be fair I think does make sense but <laughs> he said he said like oh people being happy and like living in like a nice paradise is lame and not supernatural <laughs> Well, that's the whole point of a wish. <laughs> right? Yeah. It just, it made me think about how the series ended and how, like, mm. you know, Kripke got involved in that and how we may, we probably never could have had our soft ending because, right. in his words, that's lame and not supernatural. Um, you know, if he had this perfect life and this great girlfriend and mom's alive and Sam's in law school and on top of that, they have like this really tight, like seventh heaven relationship, like 
lame, lame, lame. Like it, it would be the most uninteresting episode of television you've ever seen. I, I'm going to go listen to it because mm-hmm, you definitely should. What po- possible reason can you have beyond <laughs> the fact that it's lame that you think it'd be a good idea for your like one of your driving characters to be such a disgrace? I guess. I don't know. It's it's weird to me that he, like I said, that he views Dean this way. That without hunting, Dean is just nothing. Like, doesn't you know? Doesn't care about himself at all. Only cares about Sam. The whole reason he is so obsessed with Sam's happiness and uh-huh. making sure Sam's okay is because of John yeah. and the whole situation that they were put in. Mm-hmm. So without being put in that position, yeah, why would he? feel so strongly about you know, the happiness of Sam. And him not having a job or whatever directly contradicts two episodes ago, like Hollywood Babylon, where he fits so nice and, nicely into that PA role, working well in a team, really enthusiastic about working and what he was doing. And like, it's just not his... It would have been so out of character. Like, I'm so glad someone talked quickly down from this because <laughs> it would not have made any kind of sense for this episode mm-hmm. to be like that. No. It's just the disrespect for Dean Winchester. <laughs> like, I know he's a fictional character. Like, I know this. But, like, the disrespect. <laughs> anyway, so he finds a letter on the table and finds out that they're living in Lawrence, Kansas. And then he kind of sees something on a dresser or, you know, something and looks distraught, like, really upset. It's a photo that we don't get to see because he drops it on the floor and it smashes. Um, and he leaves, so he's obviously come to come some kind of realization. So Dean drives to his house in Lawrence. Um, I noticed all through this that he's obviously wearing a different jacket. Makes sense. He doesn't have mm-hmm. John's jacket in this universe, so he yeah. wouldn't be wearing it. As he walks up to the door, um, importantly, like a light comes on and like blinds him in his face. That's that's quite you know, like visually quite important. Um, as mm-hmm. he knocks on the door, and Mary answers. Dean. Mom? What are you doing here? Are you alright? I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna have- I'm gonna have one little like- one little thing about Jensen Ackles' acting and then I will leave it for the rest of the episode, but like- (laughs) Oh my god, he smashed out this pack this episode. I can't believe how good he it did. was. The way yeah. he says mum when he when she, she opens the door, like, oh the the thing that got me was like the flinch. Oh the flinch. Oh, oh no. my god. <laughs> He's like he wants it so bad, but like it doesn't feel real, so he has to like physically get away from it. Oh, he's such a good actor, like Mm. underrated I feel in so many ways so often and like I can't wait to see him do other stuff other than Supernatural now because like yeah. I hope we see the full bit I feel like we've already seen the full full range but like the full full range of not not having to be Dean for a bit yeah yeah so Mary and he just he just sounds so lost like just so like what I don't know. I I can't describe how good it's acting. Just go watch the episodes, guys, and like pause it and rewatch it and over and over again and be like, yes, the best actor of all time. <laughs> okay, so uh, there is something else I wanted to add to that. Yes, this whole this whole next scene mm-hmm. with his acting, he just stares at her. Yes, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like they did a pretty good job. Like 
he did a good job with not blinking and obviously then cutting <laughs> when he had to blink. Yeah. But like he is just unblinking, straight staring at her face, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Samantha Smith, how did you how did you get through that? <laughs> <laughs> how did you get through that intensity? Kripke on Samantha Smith coming back. Um, he's like, oh yeah, it's really nice to see her back because, to be honest, the whole show is about Mary, and I was like, yeah, he's kind of right with that, you know. Um, yeah. And he's like, but we know nothing about her, and I was like, yes, Kripke, finally getting on board with the ideas. And then he described her as the perfect and idyllic mother, and I was like, well, you ruined it. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still we still don't really learn anything about Mary. No. In this episode, we learn nothing about Jessica. Nope. Apart from her hair is different. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. Like he was saying, like it's nice to see these women back um, in Supernatural because we, you know, um, we don't see them very often, and it's nice to learn more about them because we hardly heard them speak. And I'm like, but where, where did we learn that? Where did we learn the things? So because, yeah, Mary's still extremely two dimensional in this episode. She's yep. just a mother. Like she's just there to be a mother. Yep. It's it's her birthday. We don't know how old she is. Mm-mm. We don't know what she ever did for work. Nope. Does she have a hobby? Does she Does drive she a car? Hobbies? Like, <laughs> like even these kinds of basic things. Does she have a nickname for Dean? That would have been quite nice. Yeah. You know, does she call Sam Sammy? Like, all these little things. Anyway, we don't know much. So, as he walks into the living room to talk to Mary, he, he asks her, like, a question to prove that it's her. And he asks her, you know, what did you always tell me before you put me to bed? And she answers correctly to him. I told you angels were watching over you. And that's when Dean goes in for a, just the best hug ever. Mm-hmm. You can see there's kind of like tears in his eyes almost. Like he's not crying, but like close to it. Yeah. The lip quiver is back. The lip quiver is back in a vengeance. He kind of says like about, you know, not thinking that wishes can come true. Or he kind of trails off. He, and he mm-hmm. hugs her again. There's lots of like, it's, it's quite, it's really emotional. Like, I love it so much. I love it when he just like looks at her and tells her that she's beautiful. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Dean. Uh. Like, we don't see this kind of reunion in season 13. No. It's, it's very different. Like, I know they've been through a lot and like, I guess he's kind of a little, he's not, he's never over it. They could have recreated this for season 13 and it would have been, like, amazing. But it's it's really not. I think... Hmm. hmm. Or whatever season was. I think when Mary comes back, I don't think you could have had this at that point. Because Dean's been through so much, he just doesn't believe that anything good can happen at that point. He's still hopeful here. He hasn't... Bad things haven't happened to him quite as much yet. But yeah, yeah, that's true. They they haven't faced an apocalypse yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think he could have had the same reaction to Mary coming back. Yeah, because of all of that. And I don't think when she did come back, he initially believed that it was real. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he so he he like looks. He asks about like if the fire ever happened, and she says no. He goes around and looks at the pictures. Oh my god, the pictures! <laughs> <laughs> like. It would have worked back in t- 2007 uh, TV, but like high definition, you can see like the editing. <laughs> like you can see the ones that are photoshopped, but some of them are just pictures of like Jared and Jensen from their like childhood. Yeah. Yeah, which and, is like, so great. Actual graduation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. 
he finds a picture of John, and apparently John was on a on a baseball or a softball team. Um, but Mary's talking about him in the past tense, so um, yeah, he's dead. Which can we just talk for a second about John being dead in Dean's wish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. I didn't I didn't clock that. I, I was just like, oh yeah, because he's dead in the real world, so of course he'd be dead here. But mm-hmm. no, no, yeah. Huh. So does Dean think that in order for him to be happy, he needs his mom, he needs his brother, but he doesn't. He doesn't need John. John. Well, she because Mary was not there throughout like his childhood. Is the wish is that he wants to see her, I guess, mm-hmm. or wants wants her to be alive mm. at whatever cost, and the cost would be John, hmm. maybe or I. From a storyteller point of view, it makes more sense because I think if John was still alive in this episode, it mm-hmm. would have been completely different. Like in this in this way, you can see the relationship between Dean and Mary. Yeah. And John fills up a room, right? It would have all been yeah. about John and Dean's yeah. relationship. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Only oh. only because mm-hmm. they don't know how to write Mary. I mean they still don't. <laughs> <laughs> but mm. <laughs> You're right. If they had written John into this episode, Mary would have been completely sidelined. Yeah. Yeah, so Mary says that, that John died of a stroke um, because <laughs> Dean asks what got him. Obviously, like, he says it like it's a monster. And the thing that killed him was a... A stroke. He died in his sleep. You know that. That's great. Excuse me? That That's great. That he went peacefully. I mean... It... It sure beats the alternative. And I just wrote in my notes, like, big sigh. Just a big sigh. <laughs> just just a really big sigh. Because, and I know I'm going off on a lot of tangents here for the episode, but, like, this is one that's got me straight. Because, okay, sure beats the alternative of dying while hunting. Sure beats the alternative. So, in Dean's fantasy, it was it was good for John to go out in a peaceful way rather than hunting, which is directly contradicts what he said to Sam before, where he was like, this mm-hmm. is dad's legacy. He would have wanted to go down, like, out like this, which is, is directly mirrored in the finale, right? Because, oh, Dean is John, so this is how it's always supposed to end for him. That's how it's always supposed to end for John. But in Dean's fantasy... So the, the way I read that was... It beats the alternative of making a deal. I guess so. Or being in hell. He knows John's in hell as well, I guess. That's the way I read it, but reading it that way, I'm just like, oh god, I hate it even more. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Ugh. I just think there's a lot there's a lot in this early seasons that were directly supposed to be mirrored in the last few episodes of Supernatural that are then completely contradicted by other episodes. It's like they didn't read yeah. the source material. So it's this is just one of those examples and like other ones I've brought up before that really bother me in some way. Where it's like mm-hmm. you only did the surface level work. You took your recollections of the episode. Yes. And wrote an ending for it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think so. <sighs> Mary says to him again, like, you've been drinking, so brought up again. Dean has to stop Mary from ringing Carmen because he doesn't want to go back to her. He wants to stay in their house. Mm -hmm. Um, And he sits down 
and like Mary holds his face. He like cups his face gently, and like the way he kind of like leans into it, just perfect. She asks Dean if he's all right, and he says, no, "I think so." And Mary says to Dean, "Like I love you." And as she walks out, Dean says, "Me too." So he doesn't actually say to her that he loves her. I think he has issues with those words. He doesn't really say it to anybody, right? No, I don't think so. Oh God! If anybody else picks up on why I just said, "Oh God," <laughs> let me let me clarify. <laughs> I didn't pick up on fifteen eighteen. How did he react? He, I mean, okay, yeah, she, he says you too, but like, it was a long time before he reacted. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. was already gone. Yeah, out of the room. It was a long old time before he reacted. Yeah, he said, even me too, to her. <sighs> Just fifteen eighteen was a perfect episode, and I love it. And it was all completely yeah. in character. That's my opinion yep. on that. I am in an agreement with you on that one, and. If we can get that to Jensen that he was perfect in that moment, then that'd be great. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> he got a lot of he got a lot of stick for that, but I really do think it's absolutely perfect. Um, he's got so many rants this episode. This is too much. Um, so it's morning. Dean wakes up. There's a great shot of all the Winchesters in sweaters, which is just amazing. I love that so much. Um, the good photoshopping, and it. It's, you know, he realises that it was all real. It all kind of happened. So he rings Sam again, but he doesn't pick up this time. There's kind of a weird scene here um, where he goes to speak to a professor about gin and they kind of talk about whether or not wishes can be granted. In the commentary from Kripke, they said that it was fairly difficult because Dean had no one to talk to about gin in this episode. When they originally wrote it, it was kind of like full of long monologues about him trying to figure stuff out by himself. So they mm-hmm. kind of wrote in this professor character literally for exposition <laughs> and to have someone for him to talk to about it. That makes sense. This this scene also sort of shows that Dean is still Dean. Yes. Yeah, he's still investigating. He's still like his usual charming self of being able to like get information from people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he just says like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in your class. He's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> um, which Which makes me wonder like, could you not just go to a professor who you know is specialized in something mm-hmm. and be like, hey, I have a whole bunch of questions that I want to ask you. Would they not want to talk about it? Yeah, I think most academics like to talk about their work. So yeah. I don't think you would have to like, I mean, I guess you would have to maybe like make an appointment and this kind of stuff. So it might be faster just to say that you're a student and need help. Like, okay, this is actual legitimate advice. If if you're at university and you need to read, like, a paper or something that you can't get through because of a paywall, just find the author and try and find their LinkedIn or their email and message them and ask them for the paper because nearly, like, 100% of the time they will email you back with the paper for free because academics like talking about their work. So, yeah, maybe you need to make an appointment if you want to see them in person, but I think most people would be willing to do so. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> you don't have to lie to go see a professor <laughs> no I think yeah, most people would um, which which is why I think he also got like the the, prefer- the professor sort of let it go yeah <laughs> oh I'm going to talk about my specialty subject like of course he's going to talk to him <laughs> one interesting thing that Dean says in this scene is like do they grant wishes even if you don't say them out loud so he obviously had a wish in mind that he had thought of that he thinks the gin has granted at this point. So, 
this this kind of got me a little confused because they know that gins feed on people or gin feed on people. Yeah. Because clearly they're investigating the case because something has happened to somebody. Mm-hmm. We don't really have like exposition on that. So, you know, Dean is trying to convince himself that jinn are not evil mm-hmm. in this. But he knows that people that they kill people. This, so is this yeah. is this his him trying to justify like stopping? Or is this purely just because they wanted to talk about what Jin do? I think it's both. Because I think, first of all, he's trying to justify that this is real to himself. And secondly, he does ask in this, like, well, why would Jin's grant wishes? Like, is it for self-defense? Is it for this and that? And obviously the professor doesn't have an answer because he's like, Jin's aren't real. But you can kind of see Dean's thought process of like, why has this happened to me? So yeah, I think he's kind of trying to justify for himself. It's he can kind of relax a little bit. Maybe he thought that they, you know, maybe they kill people, but maybe they sometimes grant wishes. There's there's a whole thing because they don't they don't seem to know a lot about Jin. Sam was doing a lot of research, and he had loads of books in front of him before mm-hmm. um, Dean went to that warehouse. So I think they were still in the middle of figuring out that case. So he comes back outside from talking to the professor, and he opens up Baby's trunk and sees just. It's full of fast food wrappers and Maxim magazines. Like, fine. I guess we're still stereotyping Dean in some ways in this episode. Um, yeah. I wrote, he's still messy. Still messy. And also, yeah, the magazines. <laughs> well, who'd have thought, baby? We're civilians. Except across the street, he sees a, a woman in white who's just sort of staring at him in a ghostly fashion. Yeah. So he tries to walk over to see her, almost gets hit by, hit by a car, and as he's distracted by that, she disappears. <laughs> Kripke made a comment here about how much it rains in Vancouver, and how it was raining really hard in the scene, and that's kind of added to the look of Supernatural overall, the fact they can never get a clear day um, to <laughs> shoot anything. He also said that um, he spoke to Jensen a lot about this a- acting in this episode, just to go off a little bit, and... Um, apparently because it was so different from normal dean like kripke gave him the note i guess that dean's supposed to be like a little boy in this episode like you know really happy and excited and mm-hmm. um apparently jensen made the comment of this episode was very much like going down the rabbit hole which i thought was quite interesting um and how different it was i guess from normal supernatural again like the commentary is a interesting insight into this Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of see that in the acting because he very much and this is why I think this works so well especially in the scenes with Mary Dean's very much dropped his Dean persona his John persona mm-hmm. um, and you can see it completely kind of falls away and he he's acts like we get flashes of, every, of it every now and then like in Hollywood Babylon there's another episode I'm thinking where we see this kind of like I want to say like fun and happy Dean <laughs> It's, it's very much like a softness like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to put the pretense of like mm-hmm. being in charge and all we we did see it a little bit in um Balsam prison blues as well yeah i think so um with him being able to adapt to like prison mm-hmm. i mean it's not it's not quite as jovial as um hollywood babylon yeah but he is definitely like it's it's weird that he seems more relaxed in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was that kind of an odd episode. I thought it's interesting that we kind of see it all through this episode, whereas before we've only really seen it in flashes. 
and saying that the next scene is Dean eating a sandwich <laughs> that Mary's made for him and he's eating that sandwich like it's the best sandwich he's ever had in his whole life. Mm. Mm. This is the best sandwich ever. Thank you. He did say he wanted a home-cooked meal. I mean, I guess it's as close as he's going to get for now. And he kind of asks about Sam and, and Mary says, like, Sam's going to be here soon, don't worry. And asks him whether or not he should go to work. And he's like, work? What work? And she says that he works at a garage, but he decides not to go because he wants to mow the lawn. Like, <laughs> And she says to him, it's like you've never mowed a lawn before in your life. And he's like, well... He does a face like, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, like this scene of him mowing the lawn is incredibly bright. Apparently they were really lucky with the weather that day. And, um, you know, we said before about Hollywood Babylon and like how they were getting notes in the studio about it being too dark. Well, Kripke yeah. kind of directly confirmed this here because apparently when they saw the dailies from this episode, they were like, it's so bright and so nice. Like, see, you can do it. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. I, I, I want to say like the the moment that I realized that the the moment that stuck out to me for like how colorful and saturated it was mm -hmm. was a little bit before this where it was like you could see how tan Dean was and then the grass was really green <laughs> yeah I was like yeah someone amped up the sat just the saturation too much because he's orange <laughs> I mean not not orange orange but like. <laughs> He's beyond healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, orange glow, nothing's real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there it is. <laughs> the the blue sky also got me too. I was mm -hmm. like, when is there ever a blue sky? <laughs> yeah, in Supernatural, when is there ever a blue sky? Like, seriously. <laughs> I just, I, I love it. He's like waving to neighbours. It even zooms in on like the white picket fence. And it's like, okay. <laughs> We get we get the symbolism. And then he's sitting on the porch drinking a beer. The beer brand is El Sol, which was well, the sun. It so. is it means the sun. It does mean the sun. And um also if you didn't know this already as like long term supernatural watchers, they only ever drink El Sol in places that aren't real. So I like that and this must have been where this originated from, I guess. All this symbolism, I was surprised, wasn't in, like, Kripke's commentary on this episode, but I don't know if this is because this episode establishes that, and they, they only maybe thought about it when they went to do another episode like this, and was like, how did we shoot that last episode? Is there any things we can continue on to, like, show this or, or something? So, a car pulls up. It's Sam and Jessica. Oh, my God. What? They, they actually said this was really tough because the actress who plays Jessica, so... Adrienne, I think her name is Adriana. Mm -hmm. She was off doing another show, so they had to really like fit her into the schedule, which is maybe why she's not in this episode as much as she possibly could be. Yeah, so like Dean runs up and hugs her and like squeezes her and she's like, I can't breathe. Oh, Jessica. <laughs> Good to see you too, Dean. <laughs> can't breathe. <laughs> Sammy, hey, look at you. You with Jessica? It's, I don't believe it. This was like for me it was just like why why would you be so happy i mean i get what she symbolizes by being alive yeah but he doesn't know her at all like in pilot he's dismissive of her yeah i mean okay again we don't see these conversations that happen mm -hmm. but 
Sam must have spoken about her. Yeah. Like, what she did, what she aspired to do, like, everything like that, you know, would have been nice to have been able to hear those conversations, <sighs> but this is what it is. Because that that's the only way that that kind of, like, hug and squeeze mm-hmm. makes any sort of sense. Yeah. But I think it's just... I don't know. It is it is odd how he reacts to her, you're right, but I think you, you said, like, the symbolism of her being alive is that Sam's happy and that the demon's maybe not about... There's a lot of things that she symbolises in being alive. Um, right. Sam kind of walks up and he's he kind of, again, accuses him of drinking. I know, I know Dean has a beer in his hand, but he's kind of like, you know, like getting started early. Or I think he makes some kind of comment because it's Mary's birthday and even like, Dean's like, oh no, that's today. And Sam just seems very disappointed in him. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it Mary's birthday in the real world? Or is this in Dean's mind that this is the only way that they can all come together? Yeah, this is it. I think this is just in Dean's mind. I'm pretty sure it's not Mary's birthday. That's probably why he's so confused, because Dean would definitely know when Mary's birthday is. Just have to talk about something, like, again, just talk about the commentary on here. So Kripke was saying, oh, it's really nice to see all these women back in Supernatural because we have an unfortunate habit of killing women in the show. Okay. You know you have a problem, like address it, but fine. And and so we end up being uh, a show with uh, just Jared and Jensen because we keep killing off all the women. So that's, it's like I understand why there's such like a major homosexual subtext to the show. <laughs> like why everyone accuses us of it because it's always just two guys on the road, man. And how can you not eventually have thoughts turned to that, I suppose. But What? <laughs> no, that's not what happens. <laughs> I think you've completely missed the entire point of what people were saying about killing off women. It's not about it coming back to Sam and Dean and possible... No! No, it's just about the fact that it's not not homophobia. It was not uh, homophobia. It's misogyny. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The word you're looking for is not homosexual subtext. The word you're looking for is misogyny. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I was really surprised by this comment. Okay, I kind of knew that Kripke had said this. Like, I, I'd seen it written before. But actually hearing him say it on the commentary, there's a difference between, like, knowing something and hearing something and being like, oh, my God, you said that? So, yeah. okay. First of all, acknowledging the fact that if you have no women in the show, there are going to be more, like, there are going to be deeper relationships between the men on your show. So maybe they could be read as homosexual. Not between Sam and Dean, they're brothers. But let's skip forward maybe like a few seasons and think about the other characters that we have come in. The only deeper, meaningful relationships that your characters have are with other men because you don't write women into your show. So how can we be surprised when people read into that subtext? And also, Kripke's acknowledging there is subtext here, although the subtext here is no. So why do they then deny that subtext later on between other characters? Yeah. There's several times in this commentary as well that Kripke makes reference to reading internet comments and says like, actually, you know, some of them are really bad and like some of them are quite hurtful, etc. But like he, he does make reference that he was reading internet comments at this point. So he must have been aware of that sub, like section of the fandom, which is maybe what led him to make this comment. 
what I do find interesting is the fact that they are, he is, he was very aware of the, I don't even know how to say this, of the subtext that he was writing into his show. But the problem is, I guess, is that they then didn't, it, like I said, they then didn't acknowledge that into like season four and season five when Crickley was still on the show about the subtext that they were drawing between Dean and Cass. So everybody knows that Cass was only supposed to be in for like three episodes, right? Yeah. He wasn't even supposed to be around for that long. Mm -hmm. So they could, in the beginning, they could lean into it pretty hard. Yeah. Which I think is what they kind of did. Yeah. Not realizing that Cass was not going to stay for 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what you're saying is they queerbaited us thinking they're only going to be for three episodes. (laughs) And then we're like, oh no, we made a mistake. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly it as well. Yeah. Um, Okay. So they all go out for a meal. Dean's wearing a nice little shirt and jacket. Oh, a nice little shirt and tie, I should say. And they kind of bring him food and it's a salad and he makes a face and everybody laughs. Like, ha, 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 ha. Um, well, it's like an asparagus tower. Like, who does that? <laughs> I like asparagus. Um, I mean, me too, but not, like, why Why do you have to stand them up into, like, a... <laughs> they can be like, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Also, who ordered? Did, like, sound just order for everyone? Because power move. And, like, also, why... Why would you not ask people what they wanted? Um, I assume Sam's paying because he's a fancy lawyer and Dean's just a mechanic. Oh, no. Well, so he's still in law school, though, right? Yeah, but they're kind of making out he's, like, fancy, I feel. Yeah. By the outfit that he's wearing, like, he's driving a car, etc. So they all toast. Sam and Jess kiss. And Dean still looks very happy. He's, like, looking around the table, just looking real happy, real, like, in his element. Carmen kind of asks if he's okay and offers to get him a cheeseburger later, which I kind of like that, to be fair. I thought that was quite cute. I hate this line that she she says, though, after that, because he he asks, why are you with me, kind of, essentially, and she says she has low standards. Mm. I'm like, ugh, no. (laughs) But this is what Dean thinks of himself. No one would choose him. Lots of people would choose you, too. <laughs> I choose you. <laughs> it, again, like, it's saying, you know, it's just another dig at his self-esteem. Even yeah. in his own fantasy world, his girlfriend's with him just because that's the best she's settled. And he's working in a garage because he couldn't possibly do anything else. And mm-hmm. it's it's actually very sad when you start to think about it. <laughs> stop thinking about mm-hmm. it <laughs> and then Sam announces that him and Jess are engaged Jessica let me see them congratulations Sammy thanks I'm really glad you're happy um, so Dean congratulates Sam and then but in the background he sees the woman in white and kind of walks towards her and when he looks back they're all kind of staring at him in a really weird way but yeah that's the that's the first kind of, if you haven't watched this before it makes you think oh this definitely isn't real I know, like, because you could kind of go along with, like, oh, he's been put into an alternate reality, maybe, by this point. But the way they all stare at him when he looks back is just so eerie. It's like, this isn't, this isn't real. Definitely. I do, I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Again, because, because nothing has been established about Mary Mm -hmm. until much later. But 
looking at it through a lens of like what we know now yeah. that she was from a family of hunters mm-hmm. it's weird that like Mary's not picking up on like the hunter vibes that's going on mm-hmm. but at this point Dean doesn't know that yeah. she was a hunter yeah and this is why it's his fantasy and not an alternate reality I think yeah yeah, yeah. exactly because it goes along with his knowledge of his family yes and this could be why Mary doesn't have much of a personality in this episode, because how does he see her other than as a mother? You know, he was four, so mm-hmm. he wouldn't know that much about her as a person, really. No. no. No, not really. It's just like, she she loves you and feeds you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, that's how you see it as a four-year-old. Exactly, and that's exactly what she does here. She loves him and she feeds him a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they all kind of, they arrive back at Mary's house and um, Sam kind of asks him why he was, why Dean was acting weird and he kind of brushes it off and says like, oh, I thought I knew, thought I saw somebody I knew. Mary goes to bed and so Sam and Jess kind of want to as well, but, and, but Dean asks them to go for a drink. Like, you know, well, we're all young and in love, like we should go for drinks, like, you know. <laughs> to which Sam kind of like excuses the ladies, which first of all, no, don't, don't do this. Because it's just like, can you give us a second? Like, it was a really it's weird like, moment. I don't know. I just didn't like the dismissiveness of it. Yeah. Like, I get what they tr- they were trying to do, but, like, it could have been Sam walking up to Dean and being like, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, not just, like, than... waving away the ladies. Like, <laughs> yeah. go, take, take, <laughs> take yourself to the drawing room. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. We must go into the cigar room. <laughs> exactly. It had very bad that vibe. And he kind of... He talks to Dean and says, like, why are you acting like this? Why are you warm and fuzzy all of a sudden? Just happy for you, Sammy. Yeah, right. That's another thing. Since when do you call me Sammy? Oh, so Dean says, like, well, you're my brother. Like, that's why I call you that. And Sam says, well, you said that when you stole my um, ATM card, when you bailed on my graduation, when you hooked it with my prom date. So he's listing all these bad things that Dean did to him. Again, this is all in Dean's mind. Why would he think this about himself? That he is such a terrible brother. Because Dean even says here, like, yeah, that does sound like me. So this is the view he has of himself, that he steals, he doesn't turn up to things, and he sticks with people he's not supposed to. Sam says, like, there's no, you know, there's nothing that we really have in common at all. Um, and Dean kind of says, well, we have hunting in common. And Sam's obviously never been hunting in the way that he thinks hunting is. Then it kind of, first of all, as it zooms out, this this um this scene, Eric Kripke calls that the supernatural troubled profile, <laughs> <laughs> which is very true. That's very they do it a lot. And Dean Dean and Carmen are, are together. She hands him a beer, which is an L soul, and Dean even says that's my favorite. They talk about how Dean and Sam don't get along and that they don't really know each other. And Dean says here, and this is why I think this is important. I can fix things with Sam. I can make it up to to everyone. So, I think what's happened here is like, yes, yeah, so Dean in his own head has given himself all these problems, but then he's also going to fix them. So even in his own fantasy, he needs to have something in his life that he needs to fix and make better. For other people, not for him, for Sam and for everyone. You know, he's going to fix it for everyone. So, I mean, so what I was going to say about... Uh about it earlier was Dean probably wasn't there for his high school graduation Mm. 
right? Because yeah. school was never important to mm-hmm. John, so therefore it wasn't important to Dean. That probably did happen. So he probably then put that a bit of like a catastrophist mindset mm-hmm. of like, well, I didn't go to this one, so I wouldn't go to that one, which would mean I wouldn't do this one. Yeah. So maybe he didn't go to his like college graduation mm-hmm. and also he's thinking that Sam never got his graduation because he left before like left Stanford before he could graduate. Yeah. So, I mean that that's the only one that you could kind of possibly explain. Mm-hmm. The other two, I don't know. <laughs> he did flirt with Jessica as soon as he <laughs> met her. That's true. I think this is it. I just think that he's given himself issues to fix because yes. I don't think he thinks that he can have a perfect life. Like it can't he can't be happy without having something to fix. And fixing cars was not enough. <laughs> yeah, fixing cars is not enough. <laughs> I love that. Dean says here, like, I've been given a second chance and I don't want to waste it. And then he kisses her and they get a bit hot and heavy. Kripke said here that they, the, the studio wanted a sex scene here. But Kripke was like, no, she's a busy nurse. She doesn't have time. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, Kripke. So it cuts to Dean watching TV alone. And he's kind of flicking through the channels, through cooking, through news, through Thundercats. And he sees the news, and it's the anniversary of a plane crash, and it's the plane from Phantom Traveler that they never stopped because they aren't hunters in this universe that Dean's created for himself. He looks up and he sees that everything that they could have stopped has still happened. As he's kind of doing this, he sees a figure, and he follows it into the bedroom, opens the closet, and sees like some desiccated corpses like hanging in his closet. He turns around, the woman's there. She like flicks away like she's a ghost. And then he looks back into the closet and there's no bodies, just a whole lot of flannel. <laughs> so it's, it is kind of, it's interesting what happens to the woman in this. Mm-hmm. Because in the first time we see her, she's like in clean white. There's nothing wrong with her. The second time she looks a little bit dirty. Yeah. And this time like she looks, she looks like a ghost. Yeah. In, in that the sense that they, how they show mm-hmm. ghosts in the show so it's i initially i equated her yeah. to dean mm-hmm. she's obviously a lot worse off yeah um but like this slow progression into like like this person's getting worse and worse and worse is yeah. exactly what's happening to dean that he's getting worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. i do find it interesting that you know they, they explain a why away like or not they explain why she's there in, in a little bit mm-hmm and I find it interesting that he makes it so that she is a she looks like a ghost versus like showing it in any other way. Yeah, because his that's how his mind would process it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. That's how he see, You know, that's how he's managing to to notice her again. Right. Interesting that in Dean's subconscious, he's still creating a supernatural threat and a supernatural problem. I think. Initially, I thought this as, as being the same thing, like he's having to give himself problems because he, he doesn't think he deserves to be happy. But I actually, thinking on it now, think it's like a manifestation of his doubt that it was mm-hmm. ever real in the first place. Yeah, Kind of two different things. Like, they're the same thing, but kind of two different things. You know, like he's, he's giving himself something to investigate because he doesn't think that it's real, that he still thinks the djinn wasn't a good monster that just get granted him his wish. So there must be something up that he has to look for. 
and I mean it's it's kind of interesting when this ghost these ghosts appear or the mm-hmm. ghost appears this woman appears so the first time is after he starts to question the djinn yeah with the professor the second time is when he's genuinely happy mm-hmm. for everybody yeah and then there's this time where he is like distraught so yeah. it's like every strong emotion mm-hmm. she appears oh yeah so she is dean's ghost we said like ghosts appear as strong emotions so <laughs> yeah and it's like it it almost sort of levels him out mm-hmm. like it, it brings his happiness down but it bring well no well yeah because it it distracted him a little bit from the you know devastation of finding out that everything they hunted survived which is kind of amazing that he he remembers everything he's ever hunted because obviously the journal doesn't exist mm-hmm. in this and if you want to if you want to go the the route of like because he's in his mind he can remember more mm. but i feel like that's kind of like nah, no i don't think so so i i do wonder if like they journal actually so that's why he remembers i think so and he also looks up like pretty notable cases that they've done at the one at the hotel and and all those kinds of things like i feel like they would remember most of them i think yeah he definitely does have an encyclopedic knowledge of the supernatural though so i'm sure he's had to practice remembering things i'm sure john used to make him recall stuff a lot that's true you know what kills a ghost what kills a werewolf (laughs) like just quizzing him constantly and I'm sure as you do as you do more, you don't have to research as much. God, I hate this next. I hate this next scene. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so this next scene, Dean goes to the graveyard and he's standing in front of John's headstone. It looks very much like Mary's headstone; they've just repurposed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's talking to John, and he's saying like, "Everyone we ever saved, everyone you ever saved, are all dead, and now I'm being haunted too." My old life is coming after me and it doesn't want me to be happy. So he thinks he's just being haunted by his old life. Like, you know, he can't be left alone. Mm -hmm. And he says, Well, I know what you'd say. Well, not that you'd have played softball, but... uh, So go hunt the gin. It put you here, it can put you back. Your happiness for all those people's lives, no contest. Right? But why? Why is it my job to save these people? Why do I have to be some kind of hero? What about us, huh? When mom's not supposed to live her life, Sammy's not supposed to get married. Why do we have to sacrifice everything, Dad? And then he trails off. He says it's like it just and like it just sort of trails off. And I know, like I heard the like it's not fair. Like you can just hear it. Like he doesn't say it, but he he's thinking like it's not fair. This isn't fair. So this scene <laughs> is one shot. Cripsy said they had a camera on a track going back and forth between the two different shots. Um, mm-hmm. So all of this that you see is just one shot of Jensen doing this scene. Um, wow. And apparently he made the crew cry. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I am not surprised. That was... It was intense. And I, this, again... Uh, well, so this... This works with John not being around because mm-hmm. if he had been able to confront him in this way, like it would have lessened this whole like monologue. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. This, I feel like this is one of the first few times that we've heard like 
them talk about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like sacrificing something for for everybody else. Yeah. And and not necessarily like within family, but like he's he's talking about why do I have to sacrifice everything mm-hmm. for everybody rather than why do I have to sacrifice myself for Sam? Yeah. Which is just two very different things <laughs> because he's he's willing to do one and is resentful for the other. I yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, exactly. Not to talk about the finale again for a second, but I'm totally going to. I'm sorry. So I always questioned with 1520, like, why did they go back to hunting? And I guess you could explain it in this way, if you really wanted to, that throughout the seasons, Dean sees these snatches of, like, happiness, right? So here, there's other times where he has, like, brief moments of, like, being happy, being away from hunting, and then inevitably it's all just like taken down right so I wonder if by 1520 and I mean this is why this is a tragic like this is a it's a tragic ending is like it and it's the problem is it's framed as like oh they're still doing what they love like hunting (laughs) it's not though it's um no I wonder if the reason that they went back to hunting was just the disbelief that they had won in any way because so much had been taken from them at that point that, like, what happiness was there to have? So, like, why not just go back to the, like, status quo? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you would think that Sam would protest it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he has Eileen at that point. <laughs> Does he? But, yeah. <laughs> I, I said at that point. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of the episode. Yes. Yeah, he would hope, yeah, he would hope so. And, and for the rest of the episode, but we won't get into that. So I, I want to kind of go back to after after we had watched 1519, mm-hmm. we had spoken and I said, surely Jack wouldn't have brought back the monsters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I don't think, I do not think he would have. It's not canon because it's stupid. Are we going with the the Chuck One theory? Because that's my favorite theory at the moment. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. that yeah. that's the only one that makes kind of uh, sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's just frustrating. So we see Sam and Jess asleep, and we do hit. We hear the Impala outside, and this scene is almost shot like shot for shot the pilot. We see Sam come down the stairs with a baseball bat. He kind of fights Dean, but he does like a terrible job at it because obviously he's not a hunter. Like he's never been trained to be a hunter. And um, Dean manages to pin him and says like, that was so easy. I'm embarrassed for you. Sam turns on the light and he sees that Dean is stealing Mary's silverware. um, And he thinks this is the case. But Dean doesn't tell him why he's actually there. He says that he owes people money. Like even in this one, he's going off to like, hunt which is obviously what he's doing he's still holding on to the fact that this might be real so he doesn't want to get sam involved i feel i think also at this point um you know he's somewhat accepted the view of what everybody has of him yeah so it's probably easier just to be like yeah i've got i owe money exactly rather than trying to explain that he's gonna go hunt something he'd rather look kind of crappy in the eyes of his family than like put them in danger or like mm-hmm. I don't know yeah Dean says I'm sorry and I wish I could stay to fix it um so I do you think that I don't think he was maybe planning to come back 
if you you know if you'd hunted the gin and like killed it and found out this was actually all real and it was going to stay like this i don't think he would have gone back to them i don't know like it's really hard to think what he's thinking here um but i guess he what he's actually thinking is if he kills the gin all this is going to disappear i don't know i don't know if he would have gone back hmm this is it because if it all turns out to be real like he now knows all the supernatural stuff exists so would he then continue to be a hunter hunter. Mm. yeah exactly so even in his own kind of fantasy he's having to give up his family and his life to maybe become a hunter and like dean honey go to therapy (laughs) yeah i guess the the thing is it's a little less like heartbreaking because he knows that he has actually somewhere to go back to that's true maybe i don't know sometimes that makes it worse actually i think if you know you could be somewhere and be happy but you feel like you have to choose to be away for self-sacrificial reasons i feel like that's actually worse (laughs) but at the same time he you know sam's not involved so he can like i don't know (laughs) so he says to Sam, like, I've got to do this. Like, people's lives depend on it. And then he says, tell mom I love her. So it took him, like, two days for, to be able to say that kind of back to Mary. And even then he's saying it to her through Sam. What are you talking about, Dean? Nothing. Forget it. Just, uh... Hey, tell mom I love her. He leaves and, and sits in his car for a bit. And then, sort of out of nowhere, Sam gets into, And they kind of argue about whether or not Sam should come or not, um, which is great. It feels very reminiscent of them as normal. Get out of the car. I'm going with you. You're just going to slow me down. Tough. This is dangerous and you could get hurt. Yeah, and so could you, Dean. Sam? Look, whatever stupid thing you're about to do, you're not doing it alone. And that's that. And Dean kind of tests that out by calling him a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. What are you calling me a bitch for? You're supposed to say jerk. What? Never mind. So they drive. Um, Sam finds his pot of blood in the car, which is also yep. a great moment. And Dean kind of says, well, well, you know, I need a silver knife dipped in lamb's blood. And Sam's immediately like, stop the car. We're getting out. You're Looney Tunes. Like, <laughs> I do love the fact that, like, so Sam starts to dial a number and Dean just reaches across and throws the phone out the window. <laughs> like, nope. Not today, boy. (laughs) And I said here, Dean's persona is back. As soon as he left that house and got in the car, his persona's back, right? This is... Mm -hmm. This is the Dean we know. Yeah. Not soft Dean. So they pull up. Sam's asleep because it's been a really long drive. He asks where they are and Dean says, we're not in Kansas anymore. In the warehouse, Sam's trying to convince him to leave all the time. And this is kind of where it was getting a bit suspicious because he's, like, so determined to leave. And it kind of makes sense with the character that Sam is here. But also, like, he's so, like, not wanting to go any further and trying to convince him to go back to the house. They find, eventually do find those bodies that Dean saw in the closet. Like, they look exactly the same. And the girl, who kind of looks like she's she's dead, but she is still alive. She kind of does a little, like, groan. The gin appears and they kind of hide behind some boxes and stuff. And um, they see his... They see him, like, go up to the girl and, like, drink some of her blood and put her back to sleep. And um, as he's kind of drinking her blood, Sam makes, like, a noise, like, ugh, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is great. But luckily the gin, gin doesn't see them and it leaves again. 
And this is kind of where Dean figures it out, right? He kind of puts all the puzzle pieces back to, like, together. He sees a rope opposite the girl and he sees a light bulb. So throughout the episode, there's been points where he gets like a light suddenly turn on in his face. Or, you know, there's been some kind of weird light. And this is because like hanging is a light bulb there, like flickering. He then has flashes of himself like tied up and seeing this, this light bulb, essentially. What if I'm like her? What if I'm tied up in here someplace? What if all this is in my head? Dean pulls out a knife and says, like, well, there's only one way to find out. Like, if you're in a dream, there's an old wives' tale that if you're in a dream and you die, you wake up. Mm-hmm. Which is... Okay. Dean says, like, I'm pretty sure. 90% sure. Which is sure enough. Which is not sure enough, Dean. <laughs> That's not sure enough to do this. No. Not at all. It does make me wonder, like... What is holding him back from thinking that this is, like, not real? Mm. We we have decided that this is in his mind, right? Mm-hmm. But if this is an alter- alternative reality, <laughs> yeah, I feel like killing yourself in that might just end everything. Yeah, that seems permanent. Yeah. And, like, they've just seen the djinn. It's weird for the djinn to turn up in Dean's dream. Like, I feel like seeing it would almost confirm it's an alternate reality not that it's I guess you don't know how vivid the flashes are of him being tied up right? Um, because it's only visual but maybe like he also felt the sensation of like his hands being tied etc but I mean Sam manages to stop him and says like wait and then this is where it turns into like obviously this isn't happening which yeah. I feel is a mistake on the Jin's part but I guess it doesn't have much control over what it's seeing or what, what it's giving people because Mary appears, so do Carmen and Jessica. Just pointing out here that all this scene, Kripke made a very good point that Ryle Tucker wrote all of this emotional stuff um, because he's not very good at it. <laughs> so Sam kind of confronts him and like the facade drops and he says, like, you know, you were happy. Put, they all ask him to put the knife down. Dean kind of tells him you're not real. There's a lot here. They're trying to get him to stay. It's still better than anything you had. It's everything you want. We're a family again. Let's go home. I'll die. The gin will drain the life out of me in a couple of days. But in here with us, it'll feel like years. Like a lifetime. Carmen offers him a family, like you can have a family with me. Jessica says like you don't have to worry about Sam anymore because he's looked after. And then... Sam finally says, like, why is it our job to save everyone? Like, give me the knife. Oh, Mary touching Dean's face in this scene is too much. Because, again, like, even though he knows, like, he knows now, because they've appeared out of nowhere that she's not real, he still leans into it. Mm-hmm. Like, he so desperately wants it to be real. It's so sad. <laughs> or is it, like you know getting that last touch before you know what you have to do like (sighs) just you know you know this is the last you know this is the last time that this could happen that's really sad Annabelle (laughs) (laughs) then it's probably correct this this scene got me thinking like how how much of what they're saying is Dean trying to convince himself like his subconscious trying to convince himself and the djinn trying to 
say like no i like i need you to stay because i need you to mm-hmm. be fed on i don't think i ever figured it really out so i was just wondering what you thought like whether if this was or is it maybe both i think it would make sense if in a gin's like fantasy that it builds it has some kind of self-defense mechanism built into it to stop people from waking up i feel like this was the wrong move with Dean because if that was the case because it just kind of gave him that 100% this is not real rather than 90% this is not real but I think the things that they say have to come from the person's own subconscious so it's kind of offering him all the things that he wants stability and safety and a family you know not having to worry about hunting anymore not having to constantly protect Sam all of these things that Dean does want like deep down but that has to be coming from somewhere because the djinn can't necessarily know all these things, I don't feel. It has to yeah. come from Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and of course, because as Kripke says in this, he's a tragic hero. Uh, yeah. I know. Eye roll. Eye roll. Huge eye roll. <laughs> Dean steps away and stabs himself through the heart. Oh, God. Hey. <laughs> hey, Kripke. <laughs> This happened last episode too. Why why the fascination with the heart, my friend? Like, I know it's the center yeah. for all emotion and love and yeah, okay. They do a really nice cut of like Sam's face from going from dream Sam to real Sam. I quite liked mm-hmm. that transition as he's like, it goes from him waking, trying to wake Dean up as he's tied up. Uh, Dean makes another Wizard of Oz reference here and says like, Auntie M, there ain't no place like home. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I lost you for a second but you almost did so already kind of referencing that he almost stayed yeah Sam kind of has a fight with the gin because it appears from nowhere <laughs> um, I the- really I really liked the way you did this like his eyes coming out of the darkness yes it's great oh, that was good that was really good <laughs> as, as Sam's fighting the gin Dean's like struggling to get free but it manages to pin Sam and kind of does the blue light thing. But of course, Dean appears and stabs it. Like, of course, it was always going to happen. <laughs> like, I knew where this fight was going, like, from the off. So here's a here's a fun thought experiment. What would have been Sam's wish? Mm. See, I don't necessarily think his wish would be what if Mary was alive. I don't think he has that emotional connection to her because he was so young when she died, unfortunately. I feel it'd be more like, what if Jessica hadn't died? So no demon stuff. So it would essentially be similar. But maybe he would like to see Dean happy. You know, Dean going to mm-hmm. college and fulfilling his kind of um, potential and, you know, settling down and not having to worry about him so much. Because, like you said, you've said multiple times, Sam has always been the optimist. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... Sam would have been able to get out of his wish. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. Because he doesn't have the same drive as as uh, Dean to want to always fix, fix things. He's mm. very much happy to be happy. That's true, actually. I think the problem is, is that they go into these with all their memories. And I think Sam would would know would want to investigate what would how it happened, at least to prove that it was real. I think that investigation drive would still be there. Dean would definitely get Sam out. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been Sam getting himself out. 
I don't think he I don't think Sam would resent him either for it no I think to be honest I feel like it would have played out very similar to this to be honest mm-hmm. in all on, yeah, in all honesty yeah like I think the story might have been a little bit different but I mean Sam's could have been revenge it could have been what if or like I wish I could kill the yellow eyed demon mm-hmm. hmm. I don't know that's interesting what do you guys think? What would Sam's yeah. wish have been? How would that have played out? I guess, yeah. Because again, Sam's motivation for things hasn't really ever been clearly established no. beyond the point of like, it's the like, I've done it all my life and then Jessica died. Yeah. After that, then it's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. I think at this point, his motivation is still revenge against Yellow Eyes. Yeah. So I feel like it would have been related to that. I think it keep up that probably even bypasses his wish for Jessica to be alive. I mean that's that sounds really callous, but at the, this point I think it's true. I think so too. He's just too focused. He's too much like John. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it would have been like cuz they were very close at the hospital, right? Mm. In the beginning of the season. So maybe it would have been like John not dying and being able to kill the demon at that point and seeing like what their life would have been like. I mean, possibly, yeah. I I do feel like it would be wrapped up in the demon, definitely. Yeah. Rather than like you know wishing for something like you know Dean's whole life to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Dean finds the girl and finds out she's alive. I I don't know why I always have this scene very clearly in my mind when he like cuts her down. He just I don't know. There's something about the way he just like holds her really gently. So it's just really nice. And I think it was what was interesting is that you said earlier that she was almost a mirror for Dean throughout the episode of seeing the state that she was in. And I wonder if in the way that he was kind of like holding her, he was kind of almost comforting himself in like you know it's fine. You're out of this like. I got you kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean we we don't know what her dream her wish would have been, but we do know it's something about her father. Yeah, cuz uh, she's um she like makes a reference to it. Mm-hmm. Like she says it out loud. So since it, it you know it plays on what you know. Yeah. She's she's not upset that she's back in the real world. No. So basically again, the gin's not very good at what he does <laughs> cuz I don't, I feel like people want to get out of their wishes like something Mm. it's like the the whole like be careful what you wish for because you might just get it yeah exactly for dean everything wasn't perfect but again i don't know if that almost makes it more believable in some way too a bit it's a bit jarring going from like you know you're you're fine and healthy or you know you're fine in your dream Mm -hmm. world and then you come back and like (laughs) you're like in severe pain and like really weak yeah of course you wouldn't just like let them just lie on the floor in a dirty warehouse. <laughs> exactly. <well. laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it was very sweet. It did. It did stick out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if he's also sort of is his way of saying thank you, because without her, yeah, he wouldn't have started to put things together. That's true. Yeah, I think so. Because obviously he was seeing her from opposite the other side of the warehouse. Who was tied up? So no, yeah, I think I think so. I like that a lot. They're back at the motel room where um, Sam was before. I really like all the lights in this. It's obviously like making some kind of reference to the whole episode. The lights on the wall and anyway. And Sam's asking him if he's alright. And for once Dean kind of doesn't. He says yes. 
but actually elaborates on yeah. <laughs> for once. You should have seen it, Sam. Our lives. You were such a wussy. <laughs> so we didn't get along then, huh? No. Yeah. I thought it was supposed to, to be this perfect fantasy. It wasn't. It was just a wish. I wish for mom to live. Mom never died, we never went hunting, and you and me just never, uh, you know. Yeah. It's trying to kind of not say that this was in Dean's head, like this wasn't a fantasy, that it was kind of an alternate reality, but I know, you know, it definitely was. And I'm glad you dug yourself out, Dean. Most people wouldn't have the strength, they would have just stayed. Yeah, lucky me. I gotta tell you though, man, you know, you had Jess, Mom was gonna have grandkids. Yeah, but Dean, it wasn't real. I know. But I wanted to stay. And that he wanted to stay. So he says out loud to Sam here that he wanted to stay um, where he was. We've lost so much. We've sacrificed so much. The people are alive because of you. It's worth it, Dean. It is. It's not fair, and, you know, it hurts like hell, but it's worth it. Okay, after Sam says, like, it's worth it, they do this shot back to Dean's face, and it so much implies, like, so much reads as, like, him kind of communicating, like, is it? Is it worth it? And then it just ends the episode on that, and you're like, oh, he never said it, but he's definitely, definitely thinking... Is it worth it? And he kind of looks at the camera. Looks right down oh. at your soul. Like, he's not quite directly at it, but, mm -hmm. like, it's very, very close. And it's almost saying, like, like, you're right, is it worth it? And, like, you, the audience, do you think it's worth it? Yeah. The thing is, oh, my gosh, this is only season two. And already he's being <laughs> like, we've sacrificed so much. We've lost so much. And I'm like... Yeah, you have, but, like, you've got so much more to lose. Like, it's so painful to watch this, knowing mm -hmm. how it goes and how it ends, and it just, it never, it never gets any better. No. I mean, they meet people along the way that make it better. They do. But then they lose a lot of people on the way, too. Mm -hmm. It just gives them more to lose. Why is this a tragedy? So... I thought this was supposed to be a dumb show about hunting ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kripke referred to it in his commentary as a modern Western. Yeah, no, I can see that now, actually. Because Westerns are never... They never end well. <laughs> but you know how they do end? <laughs> Walking into a sunset. <laughs> yeah. So, we have issues with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so many so many so many yeah. and it the fact it keeps coming back to the end of this whole blooming show yeah i know <laughs> it's it, again it's that whole argument of like they didn't grow <laughs> <laughs> but they did but they didn't yeah um so oh and look at that it's another it's another episode 20 another episode 20 <laughs> the last episode 20 was also relevant mm, that's true why oh 
I I fully remember this episode and I when I first watched it I initially really really liked it I thought it was a really good exp- like exploration of Dean's character what he would be like without yeah. hunting mm-hmm. re-watching it knowing all of his character development and how um he be- becomes later on it's actually really quite painful to watch um yes him think so little of himself because that's what this episode is this is an exploration into Dean's psyche and his self-esteem and you can just see how little he thinks of himself without hunting you know it, it seems to be the only thing that gives his life any meaning other than looking after Sam because everything else is just taking you know it's just, it's just taking care of people and it's it's even in his own fantasy world he you know his happiness revolved around people being in his life um and not necessarily his own personal development <laughs> right L- definitely let us know what you thought about this episode mm. uh we we need input from other people on this one <laughs> um i will say this next the next episode is like a complete like 180 <laughs> <laughs> um because obviously they have to they have to wrap up the season because we yeah. are we're in the last two we're the last two of season two oh my God. can't believe it we, are, we made it and so the next episode is all hell breaks loose part one mm-hmm. i honestly this this could be <laughs> this could be the end of season three because that's how much like those two like mashes together <laughs> and i don't know why i think the ending of season two is quite strong i feel like part two is better than part one so we'll see how we go yeah um, we're going to do two episodes on this, so we'll have a part one and we'll have a part two. Um, so look forward to that. But yeah, join us for the end of season two. It's um, really exciting. Thanks to our friend and artist um, who designed our podcast logo, the Pixel Agora on Tumblr. Um, you can also follow them on Kofi as well. Um, definitely have a look at their recent contributions to <laughs> Souptober. I can never say Souptober. Like, it's really hard to say. <laughs> so have a look uh, definitely at their blog because the recent artwork that they posted is absolutely amazing. Also check out all of our social medias uh, if you want to reach out to us. No good places to leave comments. Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram. Let's leave us a review on Apple as well. You know, that'd be nice get this out to more people get we, we need more thoughts and feelings we need more thoughts and feelings. <laughs> always so you you can find us uh at escaping purgatory podcast or a variation of that on most social platforms so this week we got lit in some beautiful orange light as we walked through purgatory and then we crashed back to cold hard reality So hopefully next week we can find our way out. (laughs) Bye. Bye.